Hi everyone, my name is Ryan and I am here with a wonderful person. Her name is Jen and she has quite a bit to say on our current situation and the affairs that's happening in this country and around the world. Um, so Jen, it's really wonderful to have you here and thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts. So we're here with Jen here. Um, Jen, I just kind of wanted to um, start things off uh, by just getting your thoughts on this issue and, and, and it's, it's affecting everyone differently. Um, what are your thoughts about this Black Lives Matters, this racism and everything that is connected to it right now? Um, well, first off, it, I can say that being isolated like I am, the mm -hmm. first hand effects are, we just don't feel them out here. And, um, but, you know, there's social media and so obviously we're aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But then we're out in public and everything's pretty much the same. Everybody's just chilled. There have been a few protests. You know, Little Rock had some protesting and Hot Springs did. Those are my two nearest cities. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as I know, they didn't, they didn't, uh, they were just nice, peaceful protests. And it takes a lot for upheaval to reach out here because we're so rural and it's such a conservative area um although there is a lot of diversity in arkansas mm -hmm. it's it's still very conservative and you know that was one of the reasons i chose arkansas is because it's relatively untouched by the problems that are out there in the world and i wanted a place where i could raise my child where he would be you know somewhat sheltered Mm -hmm. But I don't, you know, having said that, I don't want him sheltered from the truth mm -hmm. about race and mm -hmm. the fact that the world isn't necessarily a fair place. And I do want to, you know, I want him to be learning about about that as, as you know, appropriate to his age level um, from the beginning. Right. So, uh you know, to that end, I intend to have him be, have him, let him have a social life where he gets to be with all kinds of people. Um, although the whole coronavirus thing is kind of, yeah. kind of stunted that to a degree. But anyway, yeah. So personally, not affected very much. Um, my black friends here in Arkansas, I haven't even noticed that they're saying much about it. And so I kind of try to follow their lead. I see. Uh, okay. But uh, there's, I do have, you know, I definitely feel sympathetic and solidarity with the struggle. Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's, that's quite interesting to know actually um, that you guys are, um, are, it's basically not really touched or um, hasn't affected you guys as much as the rest of the country. Um, so would you say that this issue is uh, 
you know, it's just being blown out of a proportion or is, is this a, like, is this real? Or, I mean, because I, I personally feel that the way it is happening now, I think the underlying message is people are saying enough is enough. Do you think um, that's appropriate or you have some other thoughts on that? Oh, I, ab I absolutely believe that this has been a long time coming um, because there's just systemic unfairness and the longer that goes on, the harder it's going to be to reverse it. Just like, I mean, that's, that's how nature is. Um, I often see the connections between culture and nature and if you push if you push against what is natural for long enough it's the fallout's just going to be that much worse when you when you let go like when you try to fight the weeds instead of uh working with nature so that they don't want to grow in the first place mm. it's hard to make an analogy off the top of my head but um my gardening friends will understand me anyway <laughs> um back to the point um I, I have a lot of, I mean, I think ideologically I would consider myself an anarchist and having researched that, that sort of way of thinking, mm -hmm. the anarchists are, are really kind of on top of their game as far as pointing out um, inequality and unfairness and wanting to rectify it, at least the ones that I've listened to. Okay. And so I was, you know, I've been aware of this before Black, I would say about 10 years, you know, I've been kind of paying, paying more attention to what's going on um, in other communities than my own. Like I'm white, was raised conservative, right. was very sheltered Christian, you know, fundamentalist Christian, very sheltered. And um, mm. if I may go on, like this is the, what I really want to talk about is my gratitude toward the people in my life who have kind of helped me see beyond what I was told as a child growing up, mm. both by my culture and by my family. Okay. And so there's, there's a couple of people that I want to talk about. Sure. And the first one, the first one is my best friend. Um, when I was 12 years old, mm -hmm. I moved to new school and like, seventh grade is not the time to be moving to a new school True. with a completely completely different culture than what you're used to. I moved from super rural Alaska where I was used to being the only student in my grade to uh, North, North Texas, you know, the sort of the suburbs of Dallas almost mm. where, where materialism and status are like a big deal. And if you don't, if you're a little bit socially inept as I was, Mm. your toast and so um that was that was eye-opening for me all by itself in that i developed empathy for people who were rejected by their society mm -hmm. but also that year i became friends with a mexican and i, I won't say her name because i haven't asked her about if i can talk to, talk about her in public but um right became best friends uh with a girl who was born in mexico and I didn't know it then, but uh, 
she wasn't a citizen and that was like something she was dealing with all the time you know she would go and spend all day standing in line at the immigration center trying to get basically trying to become legal right and i didn't realize that at the time but as you know as we grew up together and she talked more and more about these things and then i saw in the news people demonizing people like her I realized that the narrative we're being told doesn't always match up with the reality. Here's this girl who's uh, who speaks better English than me and gets mm. better than better grades than me in the college prep classes and works harder than me. And they're talking about her like she doesn't belong here. And I'm like, no, that's okay. I, it's clearly not the case. I'm just seeing it. My experience isn't matching up with what I'm being told. And so that was that was the first little bit of my eyes opening to others having a different lived experience from me and mm -hmm. and how how it doesn't always match up with what mm -hmm. you're told and um i would say the second we're still best friends to this day by the way i mean that's awesome like, I, owe, I owe so much to her she's taught me so much about just how to be cool for one but um yeah mm. uh the second the second person who really uh started to open my eyes was my i i went to grad school for school psychology and i had two professors that were in charge of that program one of them was a young black man named demarcus hayes okay and he was uh he was just super sharp i mean he always wore cufflinks he he knew his stuff he 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 was actually like doing the work to make sure that we were ready when we went into our fields. Mm. And so I had a lot of respect for him. And one of the classes we had to take that he taught was a, a class on diversity. And in that course, he said something I'll never forget. He said, cause me and all my class, we were basically young white women, except okay. for one guy, one guy okay. who was from South Korea. And, and he said to us, y'all, y'all should understand, like, you're women, you know what it's like to be treated like a second class citizen, like, you should have, you should understand better than anyone, yeah. what black people are dealing with. And, and I was like, that just really opened my eyes. And, and, and so, like, what I really valued about that was that this guy, he was our teacher. And so he was taking the time to, to teach us and really talk about things that for, for people like me growing, mm. growing up the way I grew up, you just didn't talk about it. Like you hear the term colorblind and um, that for when I was a, when I was young, I thought that was the height of moral, you know, correctness was to just say, I don't see what color, I don't see color, you know, we're all the same on the inside. Mm -hmm. But um, over through these experiences, I realized that you can't talk about something if you say you don't see it. And if you can't talk about it, then you can't learn. True. And so he was really helpful in that regard because he was willing to talk about it and and say it like it was and he wasn't like super political or anything he just told us about his childhood and 
and the things that we were going to encounter in our in the course of our work. I did work right. as a school psychologist for two years um, before I quit because it was soul sucking. But mm. um, his the the things he taught us were definitely um, you know necessary. Mm. And uh, if I can go on ramble on just a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I was a school psychologist and quit and ran away to be a beekeeper, I, uh, I uh, started dating a guy who was an, an anarchist and um, we had some debates and okay. I started you know, sort of, sort of looking into that and learning. And it, it led me to the thought, you know, how much, how many other things do I not know? How many other people do I just assume I understand instead of actually going to the source? Because like you, you make assumptions when you hear the word anarchy, you, you assume, you know, lawless criminals that just, that just want to run around and break stuff or something. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not what this guy was. He just, you know, didn't want people uh, telling him what to do. Basically, he didn't want to have to fit in just to survive. Mm-hmm but he didn't want to break the law either. And so anyway, as I was looking into that, I asked myself that question, what else do I not know? And this was when I was starting to, you know, social media was starting to be a thing. And so I I got an account on Tumblr and just started following all kinds of people like Muslim, gay, trans, black people, uh, you know, just people that I didn't know any in real life because of my lo- where I live. And, you know, I just, I don't live in a city. I've always lived in rural places. And so a lot of people, I just haven't had the opportunity to, to befriend, much less, you know, hear their stories. Mm. And so I started following accounts of, you know, people different from me and hearing in their own words, what they were going through, their experiences. And, I got to say, I am endlessly grateful for the people who are willing to put their stories out in an online medium and just share it with, with the world, like deeply personal stuff. Because I can't, I don't do that. I can't. But I feel like maybe Well, you're doing it now. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm, I would really like to put the focus not on myself, mm-hmm. more on the people who have put them, themselves out there in order that I, you know, a country bumpkin, conservative little sheltered kid can learn about the world and not be such a dork, mm. you know, and not, mm. and not be a jerk as well. Mm. So, so these people, that's where I really started to learn about um, the black, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement um, shortly after that, I think was when a couple of years after I started getting into that was when Mike Brown was shot and killed. Oh. And um, I found that I found that my perspective was so different from my family's at that point that we really started to have some arguments. I but see. I don't regret it. You know, I just feel like I um, <laughs> you hear all the time people saying it's not the job of blacks or people of color to educate white people. But some of them are out there doing it anyway. And these are the people to whom I am grateful because 
I wouldn't have been able to educate myself if they hadn't put that information out there. Mm. And I'm not saying I'm educated. I'm just saying that like, if you really want to, that, you know, if you want to know, don't just assume, you know, based on what people are telling you, go find the people who are living it and listen to them. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's extremely important. Uh, wow. That's, that's, that's a really good um, story. And uh, sharing these two people, first your friend um, who uh, I think you said was a Mexican and uh, uh, your professor in school. Um, and it's two people actually of, uh, of color. And uh, of course, all that uh, different perspective uh, helped you helped you see things from a different point of view, which is good. I mean, I think we all need to open ourselves and not be as close-minded. So let me uh, transition a little bit, taking into account your experience and all that you've learned um, with you living in um, Arkansas and the place where you are, what kind of actions do you think that a person um, in your situation can do to help people who are not as privileged? Well, for me personally, I'm, I'm quite busy raising a, a young child and just uh, getting a farm established, you know, I've been working all my free time in the garden just about. But, uh, you know, and my neighborhood is mostly people who look like me, um, mm. some different, some different worldviews, but we're out in the country and my neighbors are all white, which is okay. fun. But, um, but uh, that said, I've, one of my it is one of my goals to uh once i'm getting a surplus of food you know mm. i've got planting fruit and nut trees and um once i've once i can get to the point where i'm actually producing more than enough for my family i would i would dearly love to share a lot of the surplus with uh local communities food banks and just get people eating healthy food because that's another one of that's like another uh, passion of mine mm. I just, the the food we're eating is is not always very good for us and it's affecting our mental health not getting enough nutrition mm. and, and so so there's that like that's what i want to do which is very small i think in the grand scheme of things and but then there's also like what else can I do? Well, I have a son, and he's gonna have a very easy life if I can help it. Okay. But I don't want him to assume that that's you know just a given for everyone that he meets. Mm -hmm. And um, so I want you know I want him to be involved in in both sharing, but also I I don't want him to just be like. Uh, you know, going and handing out food and feeling good about himself and then going about his day. 
I, I want him to have friends from all walks of life. Um, and so, you know, once coronavirus is less of a concern, mm-hmm. he's going to be going, we're going to be, you know, having so going to social situations where he's not the majority. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, there's a, Something I think that was just kind of like the universe or God or whatever you believe in. Mm-hmm. I personally believe in God, but I think it was sent my way. My son and I were eating at a a little outdoor pho restaurant in Texarkana, which that Texarkana has a pho restaurant is pretty rad. Okay. Considering. Okay. So I was excited about it and we were eating there. It was mm-hmm. our first time there. And we were the only people there and this this older black guy comes up and orders his food and then he strikes up a conversation with us because we're all just sitting on the porch right and it it turns out he is uh i don't know if pastor is the word but he's well known to a lot of the baptist churches in hot springs and i hadn't moved to this area yet I was still living in Hope, Arkansas. But we just moved up. We just moved up near Hot Springs, Arkansas, and and we didn't have a church picked out or anything. And anyway, long story short, he invited us to to come to any of the churches and mention his name, which was Wayne Thrower. Okay. And and let them know that he sent us. And I thought, you know, I feel like I should probably take him up on that offer. Okay. And so, you know, when church is actually a thing again, I think that's what I'm going to do, you know, and let my kid go to church and see that side of of life so that when he starts hearing these stories from the media, he'll have something real to compare it to. And he'll be like, no, dude, my friend, I have lots of black friends. They're not like that. Or, you know, or mm. maybe, yeah, this is an issue. I hear about it. I see it all the time with my black friends. You know, we mm. need to do something about it. So that's my hope for him. I think that's a very good hope. Um, it's, it's the way that you are i mean the impression i'm getting is that the way that you see the world is um a a sense of hopefulness that we continuously move in the direction of uh, positivity and equality and i mean you also mentioned also um that you know we have a mental health issue or a uh, mental health crisis and uh, this is again this is just my opinion but maybe I can hear your uh, your thoughts on this but this whole black lives matters and racism uh, that's the issue which is you know front and center but in my opinion I, I think it's basically also bringing to light the other issues that we're facing such as um, systemic depression i mean how many people are depressed in their lives and a uh, lot right now yeah and then you have the um the the drug issue i think a lot of people are uh, 
a lot of young people, I would say, uh, and maybe even the older ones, uh, like say, for example, our uh, uh, veterans uh, taking uh, uh, fentanyl. And, yeah, you know, that well, people who have lost their jobs, you know, that's, it's going to be a problem even more than it was. There you go. Yeah. So I was thinking that, you know, everything is all interconnected. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, 100%. That is, I think, one of the driving understandings in, in my mental, you know, map of the world is realizing that if you pull on a thread, the whole picture is going to move you know, you can, you can dive deep into one topic. Right. And that's when you realize that it's connected to all the other topics, but you don't, you don't necessarily realize that until you dive deep into something. Right. And, uh, but yeah, like the food is connected. The pharmaceutical industry is connected. You know, a lot of the depression is a side effect of the pharmaceutical products that were being given. And, so you know, so if you have, poor nutrition and maybe over medication or, or bad choice of medication. Mm. Um, and then systemic problems of poverty and, or joblessness and homelessness and oppression. It's, I mean, I understand why people are depressed. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would even go as far as to say that we have a, a morality issue in our own world right now um uh, maybe people don't know um how to view their own uh, their own a moral sense for example if i were to say um uh, let's say a person gets married how, i mean their their first thought is let's get the prenup then let's discuss marriage so i'm like you're already preparing to divorce or you're already preparing to split yourself before getting married or coming together and uh the issue of family i think is being attacked like um uh, i think now there are i mean maybe not the the majority but i think there's a strong number of people who are in broken homes or they come from broken homes and yeah that's that's another problem what do you think well, to go back to the whole prenup thing, I think that uh, that somewhat speaks to what I think is the bigger immorality we're seeing mm. nowadays, which is the love of money before all else. And um, you can't love both God and money. You've got to choose one. And whatever you believe God is, you know, God could, be, God could be your your fellow man or the creator of the universe or just that which holds us all together and leads us toward the light. Mm. You can't love that and love money at the same time. Money is useful, but the the minute the minute you care more about that than your relationships, you're gone. I mean, you're going in the wrong direction. And I think that that's what we're seeing. That's why that's one reason, one source of all this systemic mm -hmm. um, unhappiness is the people at the top. I love they that word. about the money. Systemic unhappiness. I love that. <laughs> um, I pulled that one out of my, but um, yeah, the people at the top, 
from what I can see, most of them end up choosing money over their fellow man and their relationships and their constituents. And so we have this, uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars being given to the stock market. And while the people suffer and commit suicide and do, you know, turn to drugs and alcohol and lose their homes and, you know, all this is that's going on just in the past few months. I mean, it's been going on slow burn for a long time. True. Um, some communities would say forever. Mm. But now with the coronavirus, it's just been kicked into hyper gear and it's clear for anyone to see where the priorities are. And it's money for the people who already have money. And it's not, it's not life or liberty or love or family even like the Republicans used to be the, the, uh, the party of the family. But they're that not changed even in that the 60s, anymore. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's neither party cares about us or or family i can guarantee that yeah it's 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 interesting that you also um uh that you bring up the issue of money because um as as one book actually says it it doesn't actually say money in itself is evil but the love of money is evil exactly and yeah. um it it all comes down to this um are you selfless or are you selfish and uh, i think a lot of people are very self-focused i mean it's good to be self-focused in in some aspects like you need to take care of your health you need to ensure that you know um you are doing well um in your vocation or whatever it is um but when you take care of yourself and you apply or you bring money into the picture at the expense of another person, uh, that's where things really go haywire. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you were to say, um, if you were to say just one solution in terms of like what is the first step we need to do to reverse this really horrible direction that we're going into? Um, well, first you have to define we, because some of us have a different duty, I think. Mm -hmm. So we being me, myself, mm -hmm. I would say the first step is to listen because that's what's worked for me. Um, that's you can't learn if you don't listen and Wait. i don't being that i've had a very fortunate life and i've been given everything um i can't say what is needed because i have everything i i, I want i need i need to mm. give you know i need to share my <laughs> share my good fortune and right. do best to pay it forward but how to do that you know i i'm uh i feel like i just need to listen and go from there mm. yeah i think that's a that's a very good answer i mean even if you like even if a person doesn't know the answer or he or she is 
confounded as to how to tackle that situation if they just say, I just need to listen and I need to hear what the people around me are saying and the, uh, and the people who are affected, I need to hear what they're saying too. So I think that's really wise and um, definitely um, step one. I think, I mean, you first need to understand and extremely good. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, we, just, we, just, we just need to listen. So, okay, so that's step one, and, and that's actually good. Um, considering all this, if, if you were to just say like just one sentence or maybe a couple of sentences to someone and they do not hear this entire conversation that we've had so far, but let's say that they only listen to this particular piece or section, if there's one thing that you want to tell someone who is listening to this right now, one important aspect of whatever it is that you feel or believe, what is that? Um, I would say don't assume you know anything until you've spoken to the people who have actually lived it. Mm. And and maybe don't be so firm in your opinions about things because it's very easy to be wrong. Yep. Admitting that you're wrong is usually the first step, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I've had to do it enough times. Yep. My husband will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, marriage is one thing where you have to admit you're wrong on many aspects i've i've done that my wife keeps winning arguments not because you know i uh you know like she wins it but she just has a lot of common sense and sometimes i don't so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so that's that's great i i think this was a really wonderful conversation um uh really authentic um and it's been an honor having you here and having you share your thoughts. And um, I definitely learned something. Like, for example, um, you, uh, you gave me your thoughts and opinions on uh, what it is to be an, uh, in the state of anarchy, but it's not actually anarchy the way that we see it. So, um, you know, it's, it's good. I learned something and I listened. So there you go. I already applied it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, sure, uh, I sure enjoyed it. And anytime, it was, it was really nice to chat with you. Wonderful. So it was great. Hopefully we can have you again. And I wish you a really lovely day. <laughs>